0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Christian, Israel, white nationalists, patriots, constitutionalists, right-wingers, anything but scumbag liberals and Jews. Welcome to Eurofolk radio. This is Bloodlines, and uh, this is, oh, November 3rd, 2019, uh, I hope you forget uh, I hope you remembered not to forget to set your clocks back an hour because this is the fall back weekend last night at 2 a.m and uh, I did I was so tired last night I forgot to set, uh, set my clock but fortunately it's fall back and I got an extra hour and I needed it <laughs> but crazy stuff going on Andy sent me a, uh, a cartoon. How to pick up girls in California. All you have to do is tell them, I have electricity. In the light of uh, last night's restoration hour, in which I covered the real cause of the fires and the blackouts in California. All government created, uh, deliberately created blackouts and fires. And to find out why, you're pretty much going to have to listen to that episode, which is already up in the archives, just go to the main page, the home page, hit the drop-down button, and look for Restoration Hour, and you can bring up last night's show in which I explained that government corruption, bureaucratic corruption, the the monolithic, monopolistic uh, energy companies... These are state-created monopolies, folks, and if they run well, you're lucky. Consider yourself fortunate. Most of them don't. Most of them are very wasteful, and there's a revolving door relationship between big government and all of these monopolies and big corporations as well. And Toward the end of the show, uh, I read from Deborah Tavares' site where she blames the Rothschilds as part of a deliberate depopulation of California that these fires are deliberately being set by the so-called deep state. And uh, last year, 700,000 people left California, and I don't blame them. California is an absolute mess, but that mess is coming to a place near you because the Rothschilds have every intention of exterminating the white race, and they, they don't care how whether they do it quickly or slowly that's what they're doing, and uh, by all multifarious ways, by immigration, by race mixing, by uh, killing us with their drugs and uh, radiation towers, et cetera, et cetera, folks, it's getting worse all the time, come quickly, Lord Jesus, we're getting tired of this, it's getting getting really (laughs) nerve-biting, it's nerve-biting time here, or no, I'm sorry, uh, (laughs) fingernail-biting time, so we're, we're in deep doo-doo, folks, real deep, the dire straits otherwise, uh, it's called. So but a couple of announcements here uh, before we get started on today's show. Uh, and the theme of today's show is going to be episode one of Douglas Reed's The Controversy of Zion, which is one of the first books I read on the Jewish question, uh, finding out about the Talmud and uh, essentially the white nationalist-slash-secular view of Scripture. Unfortunately, Mr. Reed it, it was uh, of the opinion that today's Jews are the literal descendants of uh, the Israel of the Bible. We know that's not true. If he had been uh, familiar with Christian identity, I'm sure the character of his book would have been utterly different, because although he, he praises Jesus Christ, Yahshua Messiah, for engaging and criticizing the Pharisees. And I'll be reading from chapter 12 of that book where he he loves Jesus Christ, although he considers him a universalist. Nevertheless, his explanation of how Talmudism and Judaism and the nefarious deeds of the Jews from the crucifixion of Christ on forward is second to none. It really, he, he covers that territory better than most authors. And so I incorporated a lot of his writing in my book, The Great Impersonation, How the Antichrist Has Deceived the Whole World. So the um, let me just tell you, you can still get my book, The Great Impersonation, by sending a check or money order for $37 to ANP, which stands for American National Publishing, Post Office Box 411373, Chicago, Illinois, 60641. Again, that's ANP, Post Office Box 411373, Chicago, Illinois, 60641. Now, before we get into today's subject, a quick update on Pastor Steve. When I visited him two weeks ago, he was doing much better. Uh, Although his left side is still paralyzed, he was doing better eating, uh, sitting up. His conversation was good. Uh, So we need to pray for him so that his left side, the paralysis, goes away. Uh, Once that happens, he can return to somewhat normal and return to the broadcast booth, although not in a... um, in a nursing home <laughs> that that, that I, don't, I don't think that can happen in a nursing home. So uh, he needs to get uh, his own assisted living. If we can get him an assisted living, that'll be ideal. So, Father Yahweh, we ask you, we all beg you, though those people here in the UFR nation and in Christian identity, white nationalists who want to hear the truth of your word. Please, Father, send your healing angels, send Jesus Christ to in there and heal Pastor Steve, the sooner the better, and help awaken our people, the white Christian Israelites of the world, to the plight that we are in. Stop worshiping the Jews, stop worshiping the enemy, and get right with you, Yahweh. And so we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. So, uh, yeah, your prayers for Pastor Steve would be appreciated, and uh, I, I, I'm very confident that he will make a full recovery, but under the current status, it's going to take a little while, maybe even a year or two. But uh, we need him back. We need him back because uh, he was uh, one of the anchors of Eurofolk Radio. So, uh, we have also a new show, Paul From. The Paul Frum Show on Saturday nights at 7 o'clock Eastern. The first episode was broadcast last night, although we don't have an archive setting for his show yet. Uh, Paul English has to set that up for us. And uh, so we're also looking for broadcasters. They don't have to be necessarily Christian identity. They need to be Jew savvy and not claim that the Old Testament is a Jew book. Or that Jesus was a Jew. <laughs> our our disclaimer at the home page uh, covers uh, our position. You know, Eurofolk Radio is intended primarily to be a Christian identity radio station, and you know we rebroadcast the sermons of Swift, Comperay, and others. And uh, recently, uh, thanks to Michael in Spain, uh, we have recovered several hundred of my talk shoot radio shows those those are being broadcast in a certain particular time slot just look at the schedule and uh, on the home page and you can find out when those all the time slots as far as i know because i've been really busy lately are all filled in with material no dead space if there's dead space let me know and i'll take care of it okay for uh duck seven 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 asks uh, can I post an address for Steve for get well cards uh, I'll see if I can do that uh, uh, right after the show and I, I can put that into the uh, into the chat chat room okay so yes there will be a bloodlines today there was last week or should have been uh, a rerun okay because uh, I was out of town I was called to the northeast portion of Indiana where we have an identity congregation and they practice uh, the Feast of Tabernacles later than we do, but it was a, a great uh, series of sermons, uh, three, three pastors. The basic theme was that we white people need to get our act together, uh, stop with all the infighting, and uh, stop worshiping the Jews. <laughs> so it's a pretty consistent theme, I guess so uh, that's what I'm saying here today. Stop the infighting. Uh, the last thing we want is another war foisted upon our people by the international Jew. Our people are so gullible that they, you know, believe every lie the Jew throws at us, and, oh, we need to go to war with Iran. We need to go to war with Iraq. We need to go to war with this country, that country. This is all being orchestrated by the Rothschilds, folks. We have to put an end to this. No longer can we fall for these phony wars. Oh, speaking of uh, November 3rd, <clears throat> we had posted a, a video by a German guy who claims that t- today is going to be the, the day of an attack on Seattle, Washington. And he gave uh, umpteen reasons for thinking so. So uh, keep, uh, let me know if anything happens in Seattle today. It would be interesting. So so uh, there's a lot of stuff we put up that is not available worldwide So, But uh, as far as I know, Eurofolk Radio is available worldwide and uh, not being censored as badly as my other site, Anglo-SaxonIsrael.com, which is in the process of being rebuilt. Just a quick announcement. If you want to access material from the other website, www.Anglo-SaxonIsrael.com, you have to go to the Wayback Machine, which has archived that site and it's fully accessible on the Wayback Machine Internet Archive. All you have to do is type the URL into the search bar at the Wayback Machine, and it'll take you to anglo-saxonisrael.com. It's a wonderful service that uh, uh, I got myself in trouble by trying to rebuild the site myself, and uh, I didn't realize that would take the old site down while in the process of being rebuilt. So my bad. But uh, fortunately, that is still available via the Wayback Machine. Okay, and so this is where the rubber meets the road, folks. Eurofolk Radio is all about exposing the lie that the Jews are Israel and the truth that we Caucasians are the true Israel of Scripture. That's our starting point, and everything else is secondary. So. We, uh, okay, yes, uh, Sussex men, November 3rd was the predicted date for a massive false flag in Seattle. Considering the fact that they're getting away with burning California, uh, uh, it wouldn't be surprising at all that they would do something in Seattle. So uh, uh, while uh, if somebody could text uh, or check the news to see if anything's going on in Seattle at the moment, Any the, uh, the, the particular prophecy or prediction was that the space needle would be targeted. So we'll see what happens. In any case, let's get into today's subject. And uh, I just want to say a couple things about Douglas Reed. Uh, I consider him one of the best historians around. He was a journalist. He he exposed the evils of the. Jewish Bolshevik regime in Russia, one of the few journalists with the guts to do so. And his in his book, The Controversy of Zion, which I put a link to it in the chat room already, but uh, I, I think I'll do it again. So, yeah, thank you, Brother Hebert, for posting the archive to Anglo-Saxon Israel. So... Um, uh, I'll put that in there again if, if you haven't noticed it, but I'm going to start with chapter 12, Douglas Reed, The Controversy of Zion, where he basically traces the history of the Talmud from the Middle East into our world, the non-Jewish world. And so I'm going to start. It's entitled, The Light and the Shadow. Before Jerusalem fell in 70 A.D., two bands of travelers passed through its gates. The disciples bore a new message to mankind, for Christianity had been born. Now, he he takes a universalistic view of Christianity, but an utterly condemnatory view of Judaism. Hooray, hurrah, hurrah. He says, the Pharisees, foreseeing the fate which they had brought on Jerusalem, removed to a new headquarters from which, as uh, as from Babylon of yore, the ruling sect might exercise command over the Jews wherever in the world they lived. And this is a perfectly accurate statement. And as we have told you, especially in the series we did on the Herodians, that the Babylonian Talmud was imported into Judea from Babylon by these Babylonian priests. The the Babylonian priests had never left Babylon. Even during the Babylonian captivity of Judah, these Babylonian practices of money lending were going on but the Babylonian Talmud did not influence the returnees of Judah from Babylon because Ezra and Nehemiah reestablished Torah upon the return from Babylon and they instituted the Feast of Tabernacles, all the feast days. They reinstituted the Mosaic Law. So this was actually a golden age of Torah in Judah. In those days. And uh, we had documented the struggles of the Maccabees and the Hasmoneans and the infiltration under John Hyrcanus of Judah by Edomites. And that these Edomites took over the Pharisaic group, which was never an official priesthood. The Pharisees, although they began during the Maccabean period, were never an official priesthood. They were not descended from the Levites or the uh, you know, Aaron. Uh, they, they weren't. They were a separate group who had an agenda of their own. They seemed to start out okay because uh, they appeared to believe in Torah, but they were simply an unofficial group of priests, or self, self-declared priests or uh, advisors, what have you. But uh, their power grew, but the, the reason their power grew is because they ultimately cooperated with the Romans. But by, when they were cooperating with the Romans, they were under Edomite sway. Now, this is how it developed, and we documented that in our series on the Herodians. So, but he is absolutely correct in saying that there was this conflict between emerging Christianity and Judaism he continues these two small groups of travelers were the vanguard of parties of light and darkness which like a man and his shadow have gone ever since through the centuries and ever westward yeah because as genesis chapter 315 tells us the jews will follow us and nip at our heels wherever we go the crisis of the West today traces directly back to that departure from doomed Jerusalem 19 centuries ago. For the two groups bore into the West ideas that could never be reconciled. Mr. Reed, you are right on the money. You are right on the money. Okay, a Bavaria Fellow says the timing of today is that at 10 hours 15 minutes the action in Seattle is supposed to start so they are two hours behind us it is 8 a.m. approaching 8 a.m. in Chicago so uh, 10 15 that's two hours from here here, but four hours uh, in Seattle so uh, keep your television uh, sets on see if this uh, video that predicted this event actually happens. That would be very, very interesting. Okay, uh, Mr. Kim Smith, even in the KJV and Ezra, when Israel returned to Jerusalem from captivity, many of the priests counted were not bloodline Levites. Yes, and they were expelled. They were expelled. Ezra and Nehemiah expelled those who could not prove their Judahite slash Israelite genealogy. The religions of today never point out this fact. Certainly the Jews will never point out the fact that those who could not prove their bloodlines were cast out. So let's continue. But uh, this statement that, that these two religions have been at odds like light and darkness ever since... This time period from the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. is absolutely spot on. The crisis of the West, that is the Jewish question, today traces directly back to that departure from doomed Jerusalem 19 centuries ago. One had to prevail over the other sooner or later, and that will yet happen. True Christianity Caucasian-Israelite Christianity will prevail. And the Jews, uh, it looks like the Jews are actually beginning to destroy the empire that they once wanted to control. By burning California down, they are destroying a good part. You know, the chaos that's coming out of this, California is, is becoming an absolutely worthless state. It's going to be ruled over by commie liberals whose only clientele or voters are going to be illegal aliens. That's it. That's what California has become. Where are they going to get the tax revenue? But as I I stated in last night's Restoration Hour, since the Rothschilds control the Fed, they can just throw money at California and keep the government going. But uh, it's, it's an impoverished state. It's bankrupt. So it looks like the Jews, the Rothschilds, intend to overthrow every state in a similar manner. So uh, maybe Oregon and Washington are next. The, west, the left coast is doomed to destruction, folks, and uh, the wave may continue from west to east. We expanded from east to west and now the destruction looks like it's starting from the west and heading toward the east. But let's continue. These ideas of the two groups could never be reconciled. One had to prevail over the other sooner or later and the great bid for victory of the destructive idea is being witnessed in our generation. As many... White nationalists in the world today, that non-identity white nationalists, they understand the modern Jew perfectly well. What they don't understand is today's Jews have no genetic or or heritage relationship with ancient Israel, Israel the Bible, whatsoever. They are total imposters. And Douglas Reed did not understand this. Continuing. In the centuries between, the story of the West was always in essentials, that of the struggle between the two ideas, that is Babylonian Judaism and, of course, true Christianity, Anglo-Saxon-Caucasian Christianity. When the law, according to the Levites and Pharisees, was in the Ascendant, the West made slaves of men brought heretics before an inquisition, put apostates to death and yielded to primitive visions of master race. <laughs> That's 2,000 years of history in a nutshell <laughs> in a par- not even a paragraph in a phrase. It isn't quite that simple because the Roman Catholic Church was not Christian. Real Christians don't uh, convert by the sword. Jesus never instructed us to do that. That was Roman, the Roman Catholic heresy that did that. So, unfortunately, the Roman Catholic heresy dominated Christianity for about 1,500 years of that period. And real Christianity was always struggling to emerge. It did emerge briefly under the Reformation, but it has since been quashed, and only Christian identity remains as true Christianity the original Christianity that Paul was struggling to establish in the Middle East. But uh, but let's continue. Thus, the 20th century was the time of the worst backsliding in the West. Amen to that. That includes all Christian denominations. Total backsliding, total Judaization. The Even the word Judeo-Christianity was invented. In the 20th century, no Christian had ever considered such a concept before the 20th century. When the West made men and nations free, established justice between them, set up the right of fair and open trial repudiated master, racehood, and acknowledged the universal fatherhood of God. So here he gets into, he doesn't realize he's practicing masonry here. (laughs) Okay, the Bible is a racist book. He doesn't understand that. He thinks the Jews are racist and and their book is, is racist and that Jesus is a universalist. It followed the teaching of him who had come to fulfill the law. Okay, so he he thinks Jesus is a universalist. Of course, Jesus said, I come not but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He didn't come for any other people. And they weren't Jews. This is where he makes his mistake. He doesn't realize that they're Jews. Okay. Uh, so, sorry, folks. My uh, my screen. There, had, had to get rid of a. An ad that was covering my screen. All right, so uh, this this is the basic flaw of all Judeo Christians and all white nationalists who simply do not understand that the Jews were never Israelites, absolutely never Israelites. All right, so in the in his false view that he must also believe that Jesus was a Jew to be able to put it in these terms but what I'm looking for here in these pages is his documentation of how the Babylonian Talmud followed us throughout these last 1900 years the Romans when they took Jerusalem struck metals with the inscription quote Judea DeVicta Judea capta. This was a premature peon. Jerusalem might be ruined and Judea be empty of Jews, and also Christians, <laughs> but the ruling sect was free and victorious. Who is the ruling sect? Its opponents around the temple had been swept away by the conqueror and it was already established in its new center, to which it had withdrawn before the fall of the city. The Pharisees were as supreme in this new citadel as the Levites once in Babylon. He Again, he's, identified, he's equating Israelites with Jews, so he, he thinks that the Levites in Babylon are the equivalent of Pharisees. But in the outer world, they espied a new enemy. The sect which believed that the Messiah had appeared and called itself Christian did did not acknowledge this enmity. Now, this is a correct observation. The fact is, most Christians simply do not acknowledge that there is this enmity. They have totally forgotten about it. Genesis 3.15. Only Christian identity teaches about this enmity. And... White people have to be awakened to the fact that the Jews are the enmity, are the enemy on the other side of this enmity, and they are attacking us. They are trying to exterminate us. And this is a sad fact of Christianity, especially in this Judeo-Christian you know, uh, expression today, that Christians are simply oblivious to this enmity to this major, the, the most important prophecy in the Bible, that this enmity would go on generation after generation after generation until the end of the age. Continuing here, on the contrary, its ruling tenet was love your enemies. Of course, he mi- misunderstands that uh, Jesus wasn't telling us to love invading armies or murderers from other races. He was talking about Israelites, Israelites the the law among Israelite communities of our brethren of the Adelphos. He wasn't t- love Asians and Amerindians and Jews. He wasn't saying anything of the kind. Continuing. But as the first tenet of the Pharisaic law was hate your enemies, and that's correct. This was in itself a deliberate affront and challenge to the elders in their retreat. Now, I don't think he stresses enough here that this this sect of the Pharisees was driven underground and into their yeshivas. They had limited congregations because the Jews were scattered all over the Mediterranean and uh, points east as well, even back to Babylon and up into Turkey, that uh, re-establishing a total control, Pharisee control of all of these scattered uh, groups of Jews would take a lot of time. So what the rabbis did, during the interim was to compose the Babylonian Talmud. In other words, take their oral tradition, which is totally devoid of scriptural value, scriptural truth, and write it down. And that took them a thousand years to write it all down. Now, considering, yeah, people in the chat room, you know, considering the fact that California is burning, the the cost of food has to go up. The ca- The cost of food is going to have to increase, especially with the flooding we had here in the Midwest this summer. Uh, I, I can see food prices rising and maybe blacks rioting. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how all this transpires. But it's going to be a rough winter. Looks like it's going to be a pretty rough winter, Folks and maybe even a, a hotter summer than usual. So because he equates Jews with Israelites, he misidentifies Levites as Jews as well, and somehow having something to do with the Babylonian Talmud. That's not true. The Levites never engaged in money lending, as the Jews always have. The Levites practiced Torah. Their, their role was to perform the sacrifices from whence they were instituted by Moses and Aaron until the coming of Messiah. And that was it. Uh, The Levites had no further purpose in Israelite history, in Israelite society from that moment on. And they never engaged in writing the Babylonian Talmud, which he seems to think they did. Okay, uh, but there was a new enemy. Namely, Christianity. And unfortunately, he's absolutely right. The Christians were clueless about the enmity. They saw that, as the Pharisees saw from the start, that the new religion would have to be destroyed if their quote unquote law, that is the Talmud, were to prevail. And they were not deterred by the warning voices, which at this juncture, as on all earlier and later occasions, were heard within their own ranks. The warnings, hey, if you try to do this, the Christians might rise up and smash you. Which happened from time to time, by the way. For instance, Gamaliel's words when the high priest and council were about to have Peter and John scourged for preaching in the temple, quote, Consider well what you are about to do. If this be the work of men, it will soon fall to nothing. But if it be the work of God, you cannot destroy it, unquote. So Gamaliel was probably an Israelite, one of the few Israelite Pharisees. And maybe Nicodemus was another. The majority of the Pharisees felt strong enough in their own man-made law. That is absolutely correct, Douglas Reed. You've got that right on the money, their own man-made law. It's not Torah. The majority of the Pharisees felt strong enough in their own man-made law to destroy it, that is, this emerging Christianity, and if necessary, to work for centuries at that task. Well, they're still working at it. While the vast majority of Christians are clueless, and don't know the danger. And in fact, worse than that, they're supporting the Jews in virtually everything they do. Thus the Pharisees, when they left the surviving Judeans to their fate and set up their new headquarters at Jamnia, still in Palestine, took their dark secrets of power over men into a world different from any before. Here I would clarify he seems to be suggesting that the Babylonian Talmud was transmitted and, and whole into Judea. No, the the Babylonian Talmud, their yeshiva or yeshivas in, in Babylon still existed throughout all this time. So uh, they were just set up a new, the, the Jerusalem Pharisees, because there's also what's called the Jerusalem Talmud. The Jerusalem Pharisees simply moved from Jerusalem to Jamnia, but they were still in touch with the Babylonian Pharisees, the Babylonian Talmudists. There was always correspondence between those two groups. So they took their dark secrets of power over men into a world different from any before it. Yeah, the Western civilization. Previously, their tribal creed had been one among many tribal creeds. Blood vengeance had been the rule among all men and clans. The neighboring heathen might have been alarmed by the especial fierceness and vindictiveness of the Judaic creed, but had not offered anything much more enlightened. Yeah, it was war of all tribes against all tribes. From this time on, however, the ruling sect was confronted by a creed which directly controverted every tenet of their own law. But it wasn't their own law, it was Torah, Israelite law. As white controverts black. Moreover, this new idea in the world, by the manner and place of its birth, was forever a rebuke to themselves. That is assuming they were ever Israelites or Judahites. But these Pharisees being Edomites and Sephards from Babylon, this is something, again, that's totally overlooked by virtually all historians and certainly by the Jews themselves, because they don't want you to know that their origin was the suburb of Babylon called Sephard. And they retain this name throughout history the Sephardic Jews, are from Babylon. That's their origin. And they moved from the, the Sephardic region of Babylon into Judea. So they brought their Babylonian Talmud with them, but they doctored it. They uh, changed it according to the principles because now forevermore for they had to impersonate Israel. And so the Jerusalem Talmud and the Pharisaic creed was born in Judea by by means of impersonating Israel. The Pharisees in their stronghold prepared to vanquish this new force that had arisen in the world. Their task was larger than that of the Levites in Babylon. The temple was destroyed and Jerusalem was depopulated. The tribe of Judah had long since broken up. Now, now, I don't think he understands that Jews are not Judah. Now, the race of Judeans was dissolving. Judea was a multi-culti state. It was so because of the Herodians. There remained a Jewish nation composed of people of many admixtures of blood. That is correct. Jews are the most race-mixed people in the world who were spread all over the known world and had to be kept united by the power of the tribal idea and the ter- of the return, quote-unquote, to a land, quote-unquote, promised to a special people. This is the impersonation by the Jews of the Israelite religion. This dispersed nation had also to be kept convinced of its destructive mission among the nations where it dwelt. That is correct. Judaism has always been a destructive force because they are the evil ones of the enmity. The law, quote-unquote, in the form that was already becoming known to the outer world could not again be amended or new historical chapters be added to it. Moreover, Jesus had addressed his rebuke specifically to the falsification of these commandments of men by the scribes. So he understands that much, that the commandments of men and Talmudism are the same. He had been killed, but not controverted, or even, as the growth of the Christian sect showed, given his quietus. Thus, his arraignment of the law stood and was so conclusive that not even the Pharisees could expect to convince anybody simply by calling him a transgressor of it. Well, yeah, he said they're the transgressors pretending to be the upholders of it. If this were understood by mainstream theologians of Christianity, the world would be a much better place. At least, Douglas Reed understands this much. Nevertheless, the law needed constant reinterpretation and application to the events of changing times. Did they? Did it? Yahweh says, I change not. His law never changed. But even the Judeans today teach that the law has been done away with. It's apostasy everywhere. So that the special people, now, of course, the Jews, by their own account, are a special people. But they're not the covenant people. So that the special people could always be shown that each and every event, however paradoxical at first sight, was in fact of one Jehovah, Jehovah-fulfillment. The Pharisees at Jamnia invoked once more their claim to possess the oral secrets of God and began under it to reinterpret the statutes and commandments so that these could be shown to apply to Christianity, in order to condemn Christianity, of course. This was the origin of the Talmud, well said, which in effect is the anti Christian extension of the Torah or the invention by the rabbis of anti-christianity it is the abuse of torah not the use of torah the abuse of torah the talmud became in the course of centuries the fence around the law the outer tribal stockade around the inner tribal stockade the significance lies in the period at which it was begun. When Judea was gone, the people were scattered among all nations. And when a new religion was taking shape, which taught that God was the father of all men, of all Adamites, not merely the patron of a selected tribe. So he's trying to contrast Judaism against uh, you know, a um, universalism. The Talmud became, in the source of centuries, uh, sorry, looking back from the distance of time, the task which the Pharisees undertook looks hopeless. (laughs) It sure does, because they're fighting against Yahweh. But they persist. For the wish to become part of mankind must surely have had strong appeal to a scattered people. No. No, this has never appealed to anybody except Jews because they use it as a tactic to destroy us. This is a a really strange statement. Throughout history, every ethnic minority has striven to maintain its identity as an ethnic minority, as an ethnic group. There has never been any thrust of any kind by any group of people except headed by the Jews to merge into other peoples. The only reason the whites did it such as the Greeks and Romans and the Spaniards and the Portuguese, etc., was because of their colonial empires and bringing slaves of non non-white heritage back in amongst them. There has never been throughout history any attempt by any ethnic group other than the Jews to amalgamate. Period. So here we see that Douglas Reed has totally misread Christianity and totally misread Judaism. He thinks Judaism is of the Torah, but of course he admits that it's a perversion of Torah. And he assumes that Christianity is a multi-culti religion. Well, it is today, and maybe that's why he believes that. But it never was intended to be that. Continuing, two examples from our present time illustrate the effect of the Talmud, many centuries after its compilation. The brothers Thoreau, in their books, give the diligent students some rare glimpses behind the Talmudic walls. In one book, they depict a little Jewish boy in Poland who had been taught to spit quite mechanically as he passed the wayside cavalry and to say, quote, Cursed be thou who created another religion. Unquote. But of course, we know that true Christianity, Caucasian Israel Christianity, is the logical and literal extension of Old Testament Torah, not Judaism. Judaism is the impostor. In 1953, in New York, a young missionary of the Moravian Church in Jerusalem described the seizure by the Zionists of the Moravian leper home there, called the Jesus Mission. Their first act was to putty over the name Jesus, which for more than a hundred years had been inscribed above its door. This is how much the Jews hate Christianity, but the Christians don't even know it. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Smith says hopefully the KFC will stay open in California Wow Oh, Brother Hebert says they are burning California to huddle people into megacities and to steal their mineral and land rights That's kind of how they stole Palestine, isn't it? So, what's the other example? Such, uh, let's see, such incidents as these, oh, okay, so the, the teaching Polish boys to spit is the one example, to spit at the cross, when and the Jews still do that today, they even do that in Israel, wherever Christian churches still exist, if a Jew passes by a Christian church, they spit. Such incidents as these, and the ban on the mention of the name Jesus, not to mention their ban on the name of Yahweh, the Jews don't use the name of Yahweh, they pretend to, such incidents as these derive directly from the teaching of the Talmud, which in effect was another new law, with a specifically anti-Christian application, thank you very much, that is correct, For this reason, the next period in the story of Zion is best described as that of the Talmudists, the former ones being those of the Pharisees and of the Levites. He's incorrect about the Levites. He's he's simply assuming that the Israelites of the Old Testament are Jews and have a similar religion to the Jews. While the Pharisaic Talmudists in their new academy at Jamnia worked on the new law, the tidings of Jesus' life and lessons spread through the territories of Rome. A Pharisee greatly helped to spread them. (laughs) Ha, 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 Saul of Tarsus. Well, Saul was a Pharisee, or he studied under Gamaliel. And to, uh, to all evidence at hand, Gamaliel was an actual Israelite, a Judahite, not a Herodian Edomite. So this would have been the era in which the Herodians were taking over the Pharisees. But if Paul studied under Gamaliel, it was, he was studying under one of the few Judahites left in that sect. So, but Paul, and so did Josephus. Josephus studied uh, the sect of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes, because he wanted to know what they taught. What was the difference? Few Christians are interested in this type of study. They're just interested in promoting their dogma. But you can't understand the emergence of the Talmud, as Douglas Reed is correctly stating here, the emergence of the Talmud and Christianity from this point, the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. That's the starting point of the the these last 2,000 years of conflict between Jews and Christians. So, a Pharisee greatly helped, he means Paul, Saul of Tarsus set out from Jerusalem before its fall to exterminate heretics in Damascus. (laughs) Yeah, that's what he was doing. You got that right. And before he arrived there, became a follower of Christ. He, he like, did a literal about-face after being blinded. He preached to Jew and Gentile alike. Again, he mistakes Jews for Judahites. And he was not an apostle to the Gentiles. What he did was he preached to the Judahites and the Israelites of the dispersion. Until he was prevented... And he told the Jews, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, speaking of the Judahites living in Judea. But seeing that ye put it from you and judge yourselves worthy of everlasting life, we turn to the exiles, is what it should say, not Gentiles, the exiles. Again, Douglas Reed and other white nationalists and secular commentators on the Bible Assuming that the Jews are the Israel of the Bible, have all of this confused narrative. And Douglas Reed was fully well intentioned because his motive here is to expose the Talmud. But he equates the Talmud, the Talmudic Jews, with the Levites of the Bible. And that's just wrong. That's just plain wrong. There's no justification for making that connection at all. Although it is a common. You know, misconnection that you know, people think that the Pharisees and the rabbis are a natural continuation of the Levitical priesthood. It's not, the Levitical priesthood was ended. Period. Their mission had been accomplished, they were there to prepare Israel for the coming of the Messiah, the last sacrifice of all people in the world, the Jews totally deny that Jesus is that sacrifice, is the Messiah. That's the real reason for the conflict. But he's trying to give a historical account of the divergence between Talmudism and the emerging Christianity. However, what Paul and others said was in fact inevitable at that point in time because men everywhere were groping towards the universal God at least he thinks so, and turn, no, as, as I just said, no, they weren't. Every ethnic group throughout history has endeavored to maintain its identity. And Christianity, early Christianity, was not a universalistic religion. The Catholic Church was, but not emerging Christianity. Paul preached exclusively to Israelites, and so did the other apostles possibly this impulse in men was also the reason why now here you can see he's a kind of a romantic <laughs> a romantic in believing does he actually believe that uh, you know the integration of all peoples of the world into one universal belief is a good thing so yeah, he, he shows these uh, romantic tendencies here Possibly this impulse in men was also the reason why Jesus had to appear among the Judeans. The Judaic creed was tribalism, and true Judah and true Christianity is. We are the 12 tribes. We are the covenant people. No one else gets in. No one else gets part of the covenant. So it's pretty obvious here that Douglas Reed was taken over in his mind by this you know, the, the, the only solution to the world's problems is to have one universal you know, belief, political belief, but the other races aren't capable of instituting it. And they don't want us ruling over them, and we, we don't want them ruling over us. So separation is the only answer. It's only the Jews who have ever tried to integrate the races, only the Jews. So here we can see that Douglas Reed Was, and this is true of liberals, they actually support the Jewish thrust toward amalgamation. They don't realize they're being manipulated by the Jews. And this is obvious in the case of Douglas Reed as well. He continues this was a fateful moment for that great area, then little known or populated, which today is called the West. Had not the disciples turned their faces westward to turn the west, and that which it denotes might never have come about. But, of course, the the twelve tribes had already populated Europe by that time, which, fact, Douglas Reed is not aware of. What is called Western civilization cannot be conceived without Christianity. That is correct. Western civilization is the record of the Christian conflict against Judaism. That's what it is. That's real history. During the 1900 years which followed the death of Jesus, the West improved so greatly that it left the rest of the world behind. In material things, its advance was so great that that at the time when this book was written, it was on the brink of the conquest of space. It was about to open the universe to exploration by man, but that was a much lesser part of its achievement. Yeah, Christian jurisprudence and republican form of government and the end of tyranny, the tyranny of kings, the divine right of kings to tyrannize over us. Of course, the Davidic dynasty was instituted, they were supposed to obey Yahweh's laws, not tyrannize over us. It's greatest improvement. Well, what what happened? Well, again, the Jews started promoting all of these world wars and thus began the extermination process of the white race by Judaism. Douglas Reed does not see it. Uh, Swamp Fox, uh, yes, uh, Gamaliel was one of the last. Uh, Brother Aber, his grandfather was Hillel the Elder who founded the lenient version of Pharisaism. Gamaliel became Hillel's successor, leading the Pharisaic movement. Luke's statement that he was respected by all the people is actually somewhat of an understatement. He was the most respected, most influential Judean alive at this time. It is for this reason that Paul cites study under him as a prominent feature of his teaching, Acts 22.3. Because he was the leader of the Pharisees, he brought this emphasis on leniency into the deliberations of the Sanhedrin, where he served as co-chair along with high priest. Well, I think leniency is advisable because the trial of Christ was promoted by the Edomites for his destruction, and the whole trial was rigged and illegal. So certainly in that sense, Gamaliel, wanted to be lenient toward Yahshua because he understood that this was not a process of Torah. This was a perversion of Torah. Thanks for that input, uh, uh, Swamp Fox and Brother Bear. Again, if you do not understand that the Herodian period was the time in which Torah was being replaced by Talmudism via the Pharisees, then you do not understand that era of history at all. All right, continuing with Douglas Reed. He says, its greatest improvement was in the field of the spirit of man's behavior towards man. The West established men's right to public a charge and open trial or release, but this was actually based on uh, Old Testament law, carried forward as we call it in common law. A right which was, again, in jeopardy in the 20th century. Okay, so you can be released before trial. So, uh, you know, because you're innocent until proven guilty. This concept, innocent until proven guilty, is true only of Christianity, has never been implemented by any other religion or people except us. And quite frankly, it is wasted on other people because they simply ignore it. I'm not sure to which the uh, which, what extent there is trial by jury in Islam. I don't think there is. I don't think there is such a thing. All they have is imams and uh, you know one day trials, and they shoot you or behead you. That's pretty much how justice works in Islam. The Jews pretend to have you know, sympathy for our system of justice, but they ignore it and have their own kahillah, their own courts. Wherever they exist, wherever their sect exists, they have their own courts, and they simply defy our law. So the Jews have never embraced Torah. The Jews have never per- embraced common law. They fight against it mightily. It's just another continuation of the enmity between the seed of Cain and the seed of Seth. On the survival or destruction of this achievement depends his future, the future of both, our future and the future of the Jew. So can we maintain our system of justice? Or is it going to be swamped by Judaism? The shadow that followed the disciples out of the gates of Jerusalem before the Romans entered also followed Christianity into the West and the Talmudic sect dogged it during all those centuries. That is correct. The Jews have been dogging us and snaking us ever since. The West is in the 20th century became the scene of the struggle between the nations which had risen within Christianity and the sect dedicated to the destructive idea. Yeah, and it became Bolsheviks too, another destructive idea. Not only the West is involved in its issue, about 500 years after the life of Jesus, the instinctive impulse of men to seek one God produced another challenge to Talmudic racialism and this time it came from among the Semitic masses. The Arabs, too, attained to the concept of one God of all men. Has this been good for people? Muhammad, dismissed by Dr. Castine as a half-educated Bedouin, like Saul on the road to Damascus, had a vision of God. His teaching in many ways resembled that of Jesus. Well, maybe in some ways. He held Jesus to have been, like Abraham and Moses, a prophet of God, not the Messiah, however. He regarded himself as a successor of Moses and Jesus and as the prophet of God, whom he called Allah. There was but one God, Allah, the creator of mankind, and Allah was not the tribal God of the Arabs, but the God of all men, so says Muhammad. This religion, like Christianity, taught no hatred of other religions— uh, has he read the Quran? <laughs> but what I think what it teaches is the incorporation, the amalgamation of the other religions. Muhammad showed only reverence for Jesus and his mother, who are both the subjects of profane derision in Talmudic literature. However, Muhammad held the Jews to be a destructive force, self-dedicated. The Quran says of them, "Quote." Oft as they kindle a beacon fire for war, shall God quench it, and their aim will be to abet disorder on the earth. But God loveth not the abettors of disorder, unquote. So, in other words, the new order is Islam. All down the centuries, the wisest men spoke thus of the tribal creed and the sect. Until the 20th century of our era, when public discussion of this question was virtually suppressed yeah the jewish question has been suppressed since the advent of the, ver- the zionist movement because zionism instituted this this doctrine called judeo christianity having convinced christians that judaism is the mother religion of christianity it is not torah is the mother Religion of Christianity, not Talmud. And it's amazing how few white people, even know the, especially Christians, know that there's a difference between Talmud or Torah, or even have heard the word Talmud. They're simply utterly ignorant of this question. Yes. So this last statement is absolutely 100% correct. All down the centuries, the wisest men spoke thus of the tribal creed called Judaism and their sect until the 20th century of our era when public discussion of this question was virtually suppressed. You can go to jail for criticizing a Jew, just as in the Soviet Union. You could go to jail for, criti- for criticizing the communists. Thus was Islam born and it spread over the meridional parts of the known world as Christianity spread over the West and Buddhism earlier, over the East. Great streams began to move as if towards a confluence at some distant day, for these universal religions are no major tenet as oil and water, and in the repudiation of master racehood and the destructive idea, they agree. So he assumes that the Jews are the Initiators of, well, yeah, they they teach master race. There's no doubt about that. But it doesn't come from the Bible. It comes from their own book, the Talmud. And the Bible is a a book of racial segregation. And, And Douglas Reed doesn't understand that. Christianity and Islam spread out and embraced great masses of mankind. The impulse that moved in men became clear. No, he, he's, this is a fictitious impulse he's talking about. As I said, uh, theres I'm not aware of any ethnic group who is motivated by the idea of amalgamating all races except Judaism. And they do it deceptively for us, not for them. They fully intend to remain our slave masters forever if we let them. Far behind these universal religions lay Judaism in its tribal enclosure, jealously guarded by the inner sect, by the Pharisees, absolutely. In the 20th century, this powerful sect was able to bring the masses of Christendom and Islam to the verge of destructive battle with each other, as they are doing exactly right now. No doubt about that. So what we're seeing is and, and uh, I agree with those who state, you know, because uh, Muhammad was illiterate, and he actually hired a team of Jews to write the Quran. That's why there's so much Old Testament stuff in the Quran. So, and the Jews have controlled Islam ever since. They've always worked with the, with the Muslims. Always, they uh, practiced slavery of white Christians together. For 1,900 years, both those two religions still practice slavery today. They cooperate with each other in enslaving others. They've always been working together. The only area of disagreement is Palestine between Judaism and Islam. Islam is Judaism reinvented. That's what it is. However, Muhammad held, to, held the Jews to be a destructive force. That's correct. Thus, Islam was born <laughs> from Judaism, which is something that Douglas Reed doesn't understand either. And, uh, yeah, it's true that Buddhism is a universalistic religion because uh, you know, it, it spread kind of uh, like, like wildfire to the east but it was not, uh, it, it's, it, even though it devolved from Old Testament religion, it lost its Old Testament character pretty quickly as it spread east. Because uh, Buzai was the, the first Buddha and he was a white man. So w- the earliest form of Buddhism was a distortion of Old Testament religion. I guess, I guess the Buddha was the first uh, New Ager. <laughs> the Buddha was the first New Ager. Okay. And, but from there, it spread east. Had very little effect, uh, influence in the West at all. So this impulse he's talking about, uh, this universalistic impulse he's talking about is a figment of his imagination. There's no truth behind this whatsoever. He's a dreamer. But he's still nevertheless correct in stating that Judaism is a foul stench lurking around in the background. A foul stench lurking around in the background. That part of it he's got right. In the 20th century, this powerful sect was able to bring the masses of Christendom and Islam to the verge of destructive battle and all countries not just Islam and Christendom, if the present generation sees that clash, the spectacle will be that one of great universal religion contending with one another for the purpose of setting up the creed of the master race. In other words, he's he's correctly stating there's going to be a fight to the death between Christianity and Judaism. No doubt about that. He just misrepresents Christianity as a universalistic religion. Towards this strange denouement, or uh, resolution, 19 centuries ahead, the two parties of men set out from Jerusalem long ago. And that is correct. Judaism, as we know it today, was instigated in Judea, starting with the Herodians. They created Pharisaic Talmudism. And Christianity started with the coming of Christ. So from there, these two religions, these two sects, as it were, have been influencing history from that moment forward. Chapter 13, the fence around the law. The story of Zion, from its starts, start, falls into five distinct phases. Those of the Levites, which he's, uh, well, now true Zion, we are Zion. We Christian Israelites are the true Zion. The Jews are impostors. And so the Pharisees, so he falsely assumes that the Pharisees devolved from the Levites, which they did not. The Pharisees evolved out of a sect which began uh, in the Maccabean period, and those were even Judahites. The Herodians took over that sect and created Judaism thereby. That's how it worked. The Talmudists and the Emancipation interlude in the Zionists. Well, yeah, the Jews pretend to emancipate all of us of our rights, you know, pretending that they're going to be our masters. This narrative has now reached the third phase. The Levitical phase was that of isolated Judah, who were not Jews by any stretch of the imagination, The Babylonian captivity and return and the production and enforcement of the Mosaic law. Yeah, the Mosaic law was enforced upon the return. Judaism is not part of that law. The Pharisaic phase, which followed and roughly coincided with the Roman overlordship of the province of Judea, ended with the second destruction of Jerusalem, the dispersion of the last Judeans, both Judahites and Edomites, The Pharisaic supremacy and the withdrawal of the government to its new center at Jamnia. Okay, so Jamnia was the new yeshiva for the Jews. This is where Judaism festered until it's moved to another location. And that's what he should be getting into in this chapter. The third Talmudic phase was much the longest for it lasted 17 centuries From seventeen AD to about eighteen hundred AD. No, that's still the Talmud is still in operation. Unless he's assuming that Zionism replaces Talmudism. No, Zionism was created by Talmudism, by Talmudic Jewry. During this period, the Jews entered the West and the government from a succession of centers worked worked tires, tirelessly to keep the dispersed nations under its control, subject to their law, and separate from other people's. Yeah, a culturally distinct. Even though they are a racially, you know, motley crew of people, the, the separateness of the Jews is not racial. It's cultural and religious. That's what it is. So I'm not sure where he's getting this 1800 A.D., The Talmudic phase ended in 1800 A.D.? I don't think so. As this was also the period of Western civilization and the rise of Christianity, it was inevitable that Christendom specifically, and not merely the generic heathen or strangers or other gods, should become the chief target of the law's destructive commands. Because in their enmity, the Jews being the synagogue of Satan and the seed line of Cain, would be at constant war with us in the eyes of the dominant sect and its devotees this period which seems so long and important to western minds was essentially as insignificant as the babylonian period the fact that the one lasted 17 centuries and the other 50 years made no real difference actually it was 70 years both were in merely periods of exile for the special people so here again he's equating israelites with jews And under the law, the long Western episode, like the short Babylonian one, was ordained to terminate in disaster for the captors. The Jewish triumph and a new return, all of which some new Daniel would interpret in those terms. So again, he's conflating Old Testament Israel with modern Jews, and that will result in nothing but confusion. The 17th centuries represented a new captivity under the law, which late but this is a self-imposed captivity because the Jews with their control of mystery babylon the fractional reserve banking system had to operate behind the scenes they could not give up the the secrets of their power which is namely money lending and usury and pretending to be god's chosen people that's the secret of their power but primarily it's the money lending and the power it gives them over nations in the courts of kings etc this no Israelite ever did the Israelites never had a bank they never had a money lending operation such as a bank occasionally Israelites would lend money to one another but there was no institution called a bank gold and silver were the exclusive coin of the realm just as our constitution dictates so and then they call this captivity persecution well this was a self imposed captivity because they they sequestered themselves with their talmud behind the scenes and regulated the lives of their ghettos accordingly always in antagonism with the west and with Christianity. To a literal Zionist like Dr. Castine, therefore, the 17 centuries which saw the rise of Christendom form a page of history which is blank, save for the record of Jewish persecution inscribed on it, inscribed on the foreheads of little Jewish children in school. Okay, so he, what he's doing, he's drawing, he's ending the Talmudic phase with the phase of Zionism. Okay, so that's, That's what's going on here. I wouldn't do that. I would simply suggest that Zionism is a continuation of Talmudism, Talmudism in full bloom. The political triumph of Judaism and Talmudism is Zionism and actually religious victory, the temporary, the period that the book of Revelation calls That the beast will rule over us for a little season. That's when Napoleon released the Jews from the ghettos, and the Jews have ruled over us for a little season, which will end with the second coming. Okay, so we see in Douglas Reed all the trappings of lack of biblical scholarship and the firm belief that the Jews are Israelites. This is, you know, the great tragedy. Of white nationalism and secular scholarship, not, not realizing. Yes, and Albert Pike spelled out the wars that were coming to destroy the white race. Thank you, thank you, Swamp Fox. Very important development in history. So, uh, so Douglas Reed sees this as a major transition. I don't. I just see Zionism as uh, you know, uh, uh, and communism because Zionism and communism were invented by the same rabbi. It was just a brilliant strategy for the Jews to start incur on us with this idea of Judeo-Christianity and then posit themselves as the Zion of the Bible, this great impersonation by the Jews of Israel. So you know, I can see it's an important development, but it does not end the Talmudic phase by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, so in the eyes of the dominant sect and its devotees, was an ins- you know, it's insignificant to most Christians that the fact that the that this lurking presence called Talmudic Judaism and their banking practices lay like under a rock, like a snake under a rock, only to to emerge during the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah, Napoleon is the one who changed it all by letting the Jews out of the ghettos. And here again, even Napoleon, like Douglas Reed, was a universalist. He wanted. He actually convened a council of rabbis hoping that they would adopt Western customs and give up their Judaism <laughs> and blend in with, with the people of France. And then ultimately with Europe. So Napoleon is just like Douglas Reed, ho- hoping to end all the uh, this chaos by amalgamating people and amalgamating religion. Sorry, folks, that, that's that's a ridiculous ideal. Napoleon was wrong about it, and so is Douglas Reed. But for a Zionist, this new development, yeah, okay, you can, you know, they can count time from the day that Zionism and communism were invented by Jewish rabbis, and, and Marx was the son of a rabbi. Yeah, it's a, a very important development, but it's only the fulfillment of the prophecy that Isaac gave to his son Esau, who said, one day there will come a time when you will have the dominion over Jacob, and that is the era in which we are living now. You have to have detailed knowledge of the scriptures to analyze this history. So, Douglas Reed is you know, muddling up Old Testament history with the modern Jews, and you can't do that. So, let's continue with uh, about uh, eight minutes left. So, this new idea called Zionism... Is definitely a major development. So so to a literal Zionist like Dr. Castine, therefore, the seventeenth centuries previous to Zionism are, you know, nothing but a blank record, and that's all nothing but persecution of the Jews by us. Of course, the exact opposite is true. The Jews would have been kicked out of over a hundred countries if they were doing good, if they were benefiting the people. The rest, he says, was all sound and fury, signifying nothing. Nothing of importance happened until Zionism. It was a period of time during which Jehovah, according to the Jews anyway, used the heathen to plague the Jews while he prepared the triumph of his special people. Of course, this is the Jewish version, the Talmudic version of Scripture. And for what they did, the heathen have yet to pay. We are, well, boy, are we paying, folks. We paid with two world wars. The, the 20th century and the 21st century are nothing but a record of the extermination of the white race, the ongoing liquidation of our people by the Jews. But we have done nothing wrong to the Jews, ever. Our people simply react to their crimes against us. The one positive result of the 17th Christian centuries for him, for this diehard Zionist, Dr. Castine, is that the Jews emerged from them still segregated from mankind thanks to their Talmudic governors. But this is not a racial segregation. This is a cultural and religious segregation. That's why the Jews, along with Douglas Reed, hello, have always practiced and promoted racial integration. But Douglas Reed doesn't get it. He doesn't get the fact that the Talmudists are the premier promoters of racial integration. He continues, Certainly this was an astounding feat. In the entire history of negative achievement, nothing can approach the results obtained by the elders of Zion. That is true. In the Talmud, they built that fence around the law which successfully withstood during 1,700 years all the centrifugal forces which attracted the Jews towards mankind, uh, using his word. The Jews are not attracted to other races, as master and slave is the only attraction they have, they being the master and the rest of us being the slaves. So Douglas Reed thinks that all races should band together against the Jews? No. We should obey the laws of our God, Yahweh, practice racial segregation, obey his laws, and Yahweh will take care of the rest. As long as our people fail to observe Yahweh's laws, including the laws of racial segregation, chaos will ensue. So it's because he does not understand the Bible that he has adopted this you know this policy of getting rid of does, does he propose to eliminate the races? He doesn't say so overtly but he thinks this is the strategy that will defeat the Jews. No, Douglas Reed, the Jews are the ones who are the primary amalgamators of race. They're the ones. He doesn't get it. While they reinforced their stockade, European men, having accepted Christianity, toiled through the centuries to apply its moral law to daily life. That's correct. By abolishing serfdom and slavery, reducing privilege and inequality, and generally raising the dignity of man. So he has this idea of of mankind. This process was known as emancipation. And by the year 1800, it was about to prevail over the system of absolute rulers and privileged classes. That is correct. But Judaism intervened, okay? The promise of Republican form of government in every country was destroyed by Judaism, by Bolshevism. The Jews, directed by their Talmudic rulers, took a leading part in the struggle for emancipation. Oh, uh, further, in order to take a leading role in it, to pretend to be the emancipators of men, and thus usurping uh, 1900 years of progress. That in itself was fair enough. No, it wasn't. I wouldn't give them that much credit. Mr. Reed, the masses of Christendom held from the start that the liberties to be won should ultimately accrue to all men. Yeah, well, this was the prevailing ethic of the time. You know, As, uh, as uh, Europe developed, it became more and more, uh, the idea was that all nations should become democracies. That was the idea. But we know that democracy, but that, that wasn't true of America. America was created as a white separatist country, a white Christian country, as the first immigration laws explicitly prove that only white people could become citizens. Free white people could become citizens. The first three immigration laws passed by Congress stated exactly that. So they would disagree with Mr. Reed. As well, so here's where he's going wrong. He assumes that the Jews are the biggest racists in the world and uh, promote racism. No, the exact opposite is true. The Jews are the world's biggest anti-racists, as their own genome proves, and their aim is to amalgamate all the races in order to destroy the white race. That's what's really going on, Mr. Reed. Because you falsely equate today's Jews with the Israelites of the Old Testament, you simply don't get it, that the Jews are neither Israelites or Judahites, and they're not promoting their their racism, they're promoting anti-racism. But perhaps the era in which he was writing, all he saw was Zionism. And yeah, it's true. Zionism is xenophobic and a form of racism. It's Jewish racism. But they don't promote racism. They promote anti-racism and amalgamation. So he just didn't understand Zionism and the Jewish religion enough In this book. Nevertheless, he's doing a really good job of tracing the advent of uh, Talmud from Jerusalem through Jamnia and other places. So we'll pick this up next week. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. See you all next time.